You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We're having a little bit of technical problem, I understand, and we're going to take a commercial break and figure it out. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Wayne Breitbart is our guest. We'll be right back after these words. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit axpgold.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at axpgold.com. Welcome back to the live show, Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. You know, here at the program, we love reviews of our show. And if you could do that on your favorite podcasting software, that, that would be great. This is a way to help others find our show. Since we started broadcasting and podcasting in 2009, we've reached over 175,000 listeners. If you would take a minute and write a review of our show, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, my good friend, Dr. Mira Farka, who is co-director of Woods Center for Economic Analysis and Forecasting, as well as associate professor... Department of Economics for the Mahalo College of Business and Economics is back to give us her semi-annual update. This is the mid-year update. Dr. Farka, welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. Thank you, uh, Rick, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here as always. It's beautiful. She's my buddy. I love this stuff. So let's get right into (laughs) the subject matter. Dr. Farka, I was encouraged to read that you do not see a recession in the United States for the next couple of years. I'm referring to the work that you did on your mid-year analysis and in your mid-year update. Can you share the basis for your outlook? Yes. Uh, so in a nutshell, we do not expect a recession, uh, at least not over the next couple of years, not over the which is our forecast horizon for the mid-year uh, update. Uh, and there are a number of reasons why uh, we think that's the case. Uh, Just so the listeners know the full story, we don't expect a recession, but we are continuing to expect the same sort of slow, sluggish, anemic type of growth, slightly below 2% this year, a bit higher than 2% next year. Um, And, you know, there's reasons that we can delve into about the positives and the negatives, what's going to help us not fall into another recession, but also what will uh, restrain growth going forward. But just to flesh out the no-recession story, uh, there's a few reasons why we think the expansion will continue, as anemic as it is. Obviously, one of the reasons for that, I mean, you know, believe it or not, is you know, the virtue that we find in the remaining recovery has to do with the many vices of this recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been slow, subpar, anemic, uh, uh, you know, sclerotic growth, whatever name you care, you care to throw in there. But that's precisely what's going to extend its life. Because growth has been so slow, there's still quite a lot of room to make, to, to, to make up. Uh, and there are certainly other positive factors. Consumers are doing better. We see labor market continuing to tighten. We see wage growth picking up. Uh, we see housing market helping. And finally, one last reason for relatively subdued optimism is uh, fiscal policies finally turning around. Uh, both state and local government will add to growth over the forecast horizon. 
We're talking with Dr. Mira Farka, and we're delving into some of the content that's in their mid-year update, which uh, she and uh, Dean and Neil Puri presented in April 2016. You've been on our show countless times, either for the mid-year update or for the annual uh, forecast, and you, you have taught me that uh, 2% GDP is not bad, but it's really not the not the ideal target number, which I think is more in the range of 3%. So what I hear right. you saying is your forecast suggests this continued pace is going to be somewhere between 1% and 2% uh, GDP growth? Yeah, we're, we're expecting, so we're forecasting a pace of a, a growth rate slightly below 2% this year, 1.9%, and about 2.4% next year. This is certainly below the historical average and is also below the, you know, the usual 3%, which has been the long-run average for U.S. growth over the last 50 years. And again, and I know we've discussed this before, but if you want to know the difference between a two-year growth and a three-year growth, you may not think it's a big, big change or a big difference. But if you look at it only in a 20-year horizon, uh, a 3% growth versus a 2%, a 2% growth will get you about a uh, 25% decrease in the standard of living against the 3% growth. So there is a huge difference. And uh, there are many factors why we think where we sort of disagree with the consensus. The consensus is expecting above 2% growth consistently. Some of them even have it. In some cases, the consensus even expect closer to 3% growth over the forecast horizon. We don't think that's going to be the case over the next couple of years. And we can talk about the details about why we don't expect uh, higher growth over the forecast horizon. But certainly it's more restrained, certainly sub-3%. We're talking with Dr. Mira Farka, a friend of our program and someone who can go deep as well as wide in these conversations. I always look forward to my chance to spend some time with you on the program. I'd like to turn our attention to the labor market. In your report, you're forecasting that the labor market will reach full employment in 2016. First of all, can... Can you explain or at least define for us full employment? And then what is the significance of this event this year? Sure. So full employment is the level of output. So when the economy reaches sort of an equilibrium point uh, that is consistent with potential GDP. So, again, what does that mean? That means that, you know, normally in an economy you'll have some, some unemployment. So you will never have a 0% unemployment rate in free markets precisely for, for a variety of reasons. That's because people may, may, may have been mismatched, maybe because people are within jobs, quitting one job, getting another. That rate of unemployment, the full employment rate of unemployment for the U.S., I mean, it's a moving target, but it's anywhere between 4.5% to 5%. We are at 5% right now. We fell below 5% in February 2009 at 4.9%. But... You know, anywhere between four and a half to five, that's a full employment. The significance, and we don't, we're not quite there yet. We think there is still labor market slack in the economy. Our estimation has it that the slack is much smaller than what the consensus anticipates. We think it's about 0.8%. That's roughly about 1.3 million people. What that entails, that entails people who work part-time for economic reason but want full-time jobs. Uh, there also includes people who have left the labor force because their job prospects are not very good. And these are also the unemployed people that are looking for a job actively right now. So 1.3 million people, once the labor market continues to improve and absorbs these people, and we think it's going to happen sometimes, uh, you know, July, August, September, so it's during the summer, early fall months. 
and uh, then the economy will be at full employment. And, and Rick, there was a very good question you asked about the implications of this. What that would mean, that means that the wage growth uh, will continue. Well, that's when we're going to see wage growth picking up more robustly. The labor market will be very tight at that point. It'll be harder to dig in to find qualified workers. That would put pressure on wages, which in turn will hold back uh, corporate profits. And that's one of the reasons why we expect slow growth going forward is that there is, uh, there is a lot of pain in the business sector. Consumers are doing okay, and that's going to be the, propelling, uh, the propellers of the U.S. economy going forward. But the business side is sort of limping. And We're one talking of the with Dr. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, Dr. Farka. I just want to let everybody know who they're listening to, Dr. Mira Farka. Um, one of the things that you, you shared with us on previous shows is the, and it was a real problem through the Great Recession, um, the participation rate. Now, this is always a tricky conversation because we have an aging demographic and we have a lot of baby boomers who are coming out of the workforce. So it's, you need to look underneath, underneath the headline numbers, as it were, for the participation rate, but what are you seeing relative to people coming back out and actually being encouraged to look for jobs? What's your sense for the future in that area? So, again, this is part of our one of the reasons why we feel, feel secular forces will continue to weigh in growth. So uh, the reason why you haven't seen any meaningful pickup in wages is precisely because you've got older age workers, you've got baby boomers, that are higher paid being replaced by lower lower paid millennials. So that's one reason. Now, another problem that we have highlighted, as you mentioned uh, again and again, is precisely labor force participation rates have been down. And the, the, the biggest concern is not so much about the, the retirees versus the millennials. So retirees are leaving, millennials are staying longer. Uh, the retirees are leaving the labor market, millennials are staying a bit longer in school, so they're not joining the labor force. Our biggest concern, and we've always talked about this, is that uh, what happens to the prime age demographic, those are between 25 to 54-year-olds. I mean, this is, there's no reason why uh, prime age demo, uh, the prime age cohort would be out of the labor force. So that's what is precisely happening during this cycle. If you look at this, and we, uh, we did some analysis, particularly for this forecast, for the April forecast, uh, but if you look at the prime age workers, adjusting for demographic, adjusting for the fact that their population is shrinking, but adjusting for that, we find that there are now about uh, 3.1 million fewer full-time employing people in the prime age demographic than there were prior to the recession. We see about the labor force for these people has also shrunk by 2.1 million. And this is adjusting for demographic, so keeping their labor force participation rate the same as what the average was in 2000, 2007, we see how many are missing. And there are about 2 million people missing from the labor force. We, we think some of these will come back, but not all of them. If you look at the labor force dynamic, labor force has expanded by roughly about a million people since last September. Some of them are, part, uh, are, are prime workers, but most of them have been millennials, and believe it or not, retire, so retirement age folks who are staying a bit longer. Not so much the prime age demographic, we think a lot of them have actually joined the, labor, the, the disability roles and will not come back. So this is one of the biggest problems we envision going forward. That's one of the reasons why we don't have very robust growth over the next few years. Yeah, this is, we've talked about this cohort, and it's, it's one of the structural legacies of the Great Recession, that low-skilled, low-educated, prime-aged workforce have kind of checked out of the job market because the jobs 
for that type of position aren't very plentiful, right. even though you see this kind of uh, rebound in the, in, the, in the labor market. And, and that is a concern because, as you said before on the show, uh, that creates somewhat of a drag in the economy because you have a, a whole large group of people who are supposed to be in their prime earning years not in their right. prime earning years. No, it's precisely the reason. And, and, and part of it is because the economy has transformed quite radically since the Great Recession. I mean, it's sort of hard for us to grasp it sort of on a day-to-day basis. But you look at the data, the economy has added a lot more jobs in the health service sector, for example, while construction uh, uh, jobs are gone away. Manufacturing jobs are the worst hit. But construction has sort of picked up a little bit lately. But manufacturing jobs are hard hit. So it's very hard, as, I, as I've mentioned in the past, it's very hard to turn manufacturing workers into, you know, into nurses overnight. So it's, it's, and, and, we don't have, and the U.S. does great at a lot of things, but we don't do very well when it comes to retraining people. We don't do very well in terms of having apprenticeship-type programs when you can retrain the low-wage, sort of the, the low-education, um, blue-collar-type workers to basically readjust their skill sets. Uh, to match better the new economy, which has emerged since the Great Recession. And this is not happening any, uh, as fast as we want to happen. That's partially what's going to restrain growth in the future. We're talking with Dr. Mira Fark, and we're going to take a break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And I have to tell you, there was we're, we're going to talk about what you call in the report biggest risk to wage growth or, more critically, standard of living. And it really caught my eye. And frankly, Mira, it was sort of a, just a sentence in the report, but it, it was chilling when I read it. And I thought, I need, I need to spend a little bit of time talking about that with you, if that's okay. Uh, we're going to talk about the biggest risk to our standard of living after these words from our, our, our sponsors here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Mira Farka will be back with me in just a few short minutes. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Wow. Marketing predictions are out for 2015, and marketing success is changing. Did you know that Google is now actively tracking your business and personal brand and online reputation? Online and offline marketing has changed. Google is driving more than 85% of your traffic. And if your brand is inconsistent or has poor mobile usability, your rankings and traffic can suffer in 2015. To learn how your business is currently viewed and what can be done to improve your brand's visibility and authority, Contact SunUp Group for a free marketing analysis. It could be a business game changer. Visit www.sunupgroup.com today or call 877-609-3840, extension 700. 
Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Renz. My dear friend, Dr. Mira Farkat, is my guest. You know, a great way to stay informed about our great guests is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to criticalmassforbusiness.com. At the bottom of any page is a Join Our Mailing List box. Simply type your email address, hit subscribe. You'll start receiving our weekly newsletter. That's all we send out is one newsletter a week with information about our upcoming guests and special insights from me. Okay, Dr. Farka, in reading your mid-year update, I actually kind of had a little bit of a chill in the sense that, you're, and tell me, if, I hope I got this right, your report says one of the biggest risks to wage growth, or more critically, the standard of living in this country, is the low productivity growth. Can, can, can you explain the nature of your concern as it relates to that? I, I'm not used to this country being seen as not constantly improving in the productivity area of our workforce. Yeah, Rick, no, you're absolutely right. That's one of the biggest. Longer term, that's what it's one of the main concerns that will determine our potential GDP, that will determine our potential growth, that will determine our potential output. In, in a sense, you can think of it as uh, what is output, what is GDP? Well, you know, in a nutshell, it's basically made up of two components. Labor productivity, so how, how fast, how technologically advanced you are, and labor force growth, how big of a country you have, how many people work, right? And this has been the bread and butter. I mean, you know, going all the way back from 1947 till 73, the productivity growth was 3%, for example, uh, in the U.S. If you look at from the mid-70s till the mid-90s, that was a bit of a, a, a low, slower productivity growth, roughly around 1%, 1.5%. Uh, from ni- from mid '90s till 2004, we had a boost in productivity. Uh, it, in fact, it was uh, it went as high as 2.6 percent, and that's because we started reaping the benefits of computers and internet and so on. But since the Great Recession, productivity growth. In fact, if you look at it from 2011 till 2000 till now till 2016, uh, the latest data available, you see the productivity growth in the U.S has slowed down dramatically. It's averaged about 0.5% uh, per year. So, yes, and this is a huge uh, conversation these days among the economists. Uh, the problem with productivity growth is it's very hard to predict. It's very hard to figure out when huge technological advances will happen, um, uh, you know, here or abroad, but mostly here because this is the most dynamic uh, economy in the world. Uh, so it's very difficult. So some economists do believe that this is it. We've gotten all the low-hanging fruits, and productivity will continue to be restrained. You'll see a social media. You'll see new companies that deal with social media. But the argument that these, this sort of this branch of, econo- uh, of economists believe is that, look, uh, you know, the the productivity boost from Facebook is much less than the productivity boost you got from computer or, or going back from electricity and so on. 
So all the low-hanging fruits are, are are gone, and of course you get other people that believe that well, not, you know, the the best is not behind us; the best is yet to come, and they look into nanotechnology, they look at big data and things like that that is about to come. So that is very hard to predict. But we know where we are. We know that productivity has been very low over the last uh, five years. Uh, and, of course, couple that with the idea that labor force growth will be low, given our demographics, then you have a potential GDP that grows, that grows at about one and a half, one point seventy five percent growth as opposed to 3% growth, which is the normal uh, pace of our GDP potential growth. Dr. Mira Farka is here just to explain a little bit about what is in the uh, mid-year update. And it is, I'll tell you, it's eight pages, and it is a great read. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it again, um, and I, I'm so fortunate to have you on the show. Uh, we have a few minutes left. I want to turn your attention into Orange County because we are an Orange County um, radio show, an Orange County uh, radio station. Your report highlights the significant job growth that's occurred in our county. Uh, and construction has seen some of the most job growth, if not the most, kind of in that sector. Um, what does the robust employment picture mean for the near-term economic outlook as it relates to Orange County? So, yeah, you picked uh, – that was probably the most important takeaway from Orange County's uh, uh, outlook over the last six months or so. Uh, construction has picked up dramatically. I think construction has grown by 10 percent uh, compared this year versus last year. This is employment role. And uh, keep in mind that uh, this is a very important sector. And remember, this is a sector that shrank dramatically. Uh, if you look at the data prior to the recession, when, when we had the housing market boom, uh, there was about 100, so there was 110,000 uh, uh, employed construction workers in the county. That fell to about 60, 63,000 during the uh, after the housing bust, uh, and it languished in that low regions for a long time, for two to three years. And that, of course, that had to do quite a bit with the fact that no new homes were being built. Every construct, uh, a lot of the construction projects were scra- uh, scraped, and so on. Now we see this coming back very vigorously, and I thought this was an important, um, and we have kind of alluded to this in the past. We did expect construction to pick up. Frankly, I didn't expect it to pick up so vigorously. Construction roles are now almost back to, I think, 100,000 workers, so we're only about 10,000, 6,000, 10,000 below where we were prior to the uh, housing boom. But this is very good news because certainly this was a very, uh, sort of a sluggish and very lagging sector, and it was, and we were very glad to see this strong pickup. Again, it was, it, it surprised us a little bit on the upside, uh, but that certainly bodes well for the county. The other, re, the other sectors that are doing very well is professional and business services, and of course, leisure and hospitality, and um, uh, and, and high tech is also picking up. But leisure and hospitality and health service is doing quite well in terms of employment. Uh, the problematic sectors, as usual, are, you know, you, it's the manufacturing and uh, uh, retail trade. Those have suffered quite dramatically, and they haven't come back for the county. I'd be interested in having you back. I'm talking with Dr. Mira Farka. You're listening to her uh, explain just some of the content that's in her mid-year outlook and update. Um, <clears throat> would love to have you come back later this year and sort of talk about the proposed policies of our major candidates to see how, from an, econo- <laughs> from an economist's point of view, they're going to help us 
or not help us in the future. So, Mira, maybe you can be my guest sometime this fall before the election, and we can have that conversation if you're comfortable doing that. Absolutely. I would love to, yes. Okay. And by then, I, I, we'll probably have fewer people to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I think there's going to be the big two, so we'll see what that is. There'll be the is, big but, two, yes. So we're yeah, going to have know, a little less to talk about, but so, but certainly, so, but, but we'll have more details on those, I hope, on a lot of those plans. So, so you, you, as part of Cal State Fulton's um, a business school and school of economics, each quarter you put out the OCBX index, which is really responded yes. to by CEOs and business owners here in Orange County. I'm wondering if, if you could just the, the March report survey came out and it showed a marked uh, uptick in kind of sentiment. Mm-hmm. C- can can you highlight just what was in that most recent OCBX index? Sure. So we ask a variety of questions. We ask, I mean, the, the whole idea is uh, we do ask businesses to let us know how, you know, how they see their business evolving, what what are their expectations over the next 12 months. And you're absolutely right. We did see a uptick uh, compared to the last quarter, but there was also, I mean, even the details were important and were kind of highlighting the this trend. For example, uh, if you compare this to six months ago, the the same survey in the second quarter of this year to the third quarter of last year, you see that back in the third quarter of last year, businesses were a lot more concerned about the economy. So 54% of businesses picked the economy as the biggest concern versus 37% in the latest data. So there is concern about the economy has sort of uh, declined a little bit. On the other hand, what is what seems to be worrying businesses is government regulation. Government regulation, um, so these two, by the way, always pop up as two major risks. <laughs> government regulation uh, was 17, 17% of respondents felt that government regulation was a problem back uh, in October when we did the survey six months ago compared to it to now, uh, which is 30% of people. So the biggest two concerns for businesses are the economy and government regulation. And another thing that actually does pop up, if you ask more specialists so or more, we hone into this and ask a few more questions that pertain mostly to the landscape that we're living in. So we ask questions about congressional inaction. We ask questions about Federal Reserve rate hiking cycle, uh, the federal debt, China, and oil prices. These have been on the news and sort of our risk factors. So these are a couple of questions we've asked over the last six months. And it turns out that uh, in terms of the biggest threat to the U.S. economy, uh, people do pick congressional inaction as number one. And the rate and Fed rate hike cycle with China were number you know, So basically they're tied for the second spot. So these are the concerns that are preying on businesses' minds uh, as threats to the U.S. economy. On a uh, uh, national level, uh, we do use another survey, uh, the Duke University survey, and they picked U.S. election as the second most concerning uh, risk to the economy. I think as we get closer to the election, we'll add that as a special uh, question. How do people feel about the U.S. election? And we'll see whether that's going to be a concern. But nationally speaking, that seems to be a concern bubbling for the uh, for businesses uh, over the near term, the U.S. election, we will look. We'll do the same thing the next quarter when we have our report. When our report will be published, we'll add a new question dealing with U.S. elections as well. So we'll see what we find. Dr. Mira Farka, Ph.D., co-director of Woods Center for Economic Analysis and Forecasting, and associate professor for the Department of Economics, the Mahalo College of Business and Economics. If someone would like to follow you. Get this mid-year update. 
where online should they go to learn more about the fine work that you're doing? So they can go uh, at the following address. I'll give you the. I'll just read the address. It's business.fullerton.edu forward slash center forward slash economic analysis and forecasting. And that's a, that's the, the name of our uh, center. It's uh, Wood Center for Economic Forecast, and you can find there the latest report. You can also find there the latest survey uh, of our business executives from Orange County. You you never disappoint. You always make, uh, in my mind, you always make the, the subject matter interesting, both in the written word and also in the spoken word. Thank you for being a friend of the program and a part of the critical mass community, Dr. Farka. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Rick. It's always a pleasure being here. I always enjoy our talks, and we have to do them more often. I would love that. Just say the date. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the show is brought to you by our wonderful advertisers, Center Club, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, SunUp Group, and TE & Company. Our engineer for today's show is none other than Paul Roberts. Our producer is Joan Park, and I'm your host, Rick Francie. If you'd like to learn more about a radio show or my CEO peer groups that I lead, visit my website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Until our next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 